You're listening to Marketing Matters on Business Radio. Welcome back to Marketing Matters here on Business Radio Series XM 132. I'm Barbara Kahn, the Patty and J.H. Baker Professor of Marketing, and I'm joined by my co-host, Americus Reed, the Whitney M. Young Jr. Professor of Marketing and the Brand Identity Theorist. And right now we're in our spotlight segment. Um, and what, at which point in our show, we spotlight an interesting new marketing campaign with a marketing expert here to talk to us about it. And today we're spotlighting Jimmy John's um, new marketing campaign. And we have to talk all about it, Darren Dugan, who's Jimmy John's new chief marketing, marketing officer. Welcome, Darren, to our show. Hey, hello. Thanks for having me. And um, part of the reason I mentioned uh, before we started that you look like your picture online and part of the reason I uh, saw your picture is because you are new to Jimmy John and you come, I think, from Sonic and it looked like you come from a long food background. You want to tell us a little bit about your background before we get into what you're doing now? Of course. Hopefully I'll be interesting. So um, <laughs> I was with Sonic before. Um, before Jimmy John's. And then of course, Sonic was acquired by Inspire. And then mm -hmm. Jimmy John's was acquired by Inspire about a year later. And so that is what has kind of led, um, led uh, me to where I am today. I've been the CMO of Jimmy John's for just about a year, guys. Oh, wow. So COVID not, started, right? You and yeah, COVID. Right, right, right when COVID started. So I came in on the up, on the upswing. We can talk about that. For okay. sure. um, yeah. mm -hmm. And then prior to that, I grew up in craft foods. So once I came out of business school, I spent about 16 years in a number of really wonderful roles at some great American brands um, in uh, more of the grocery CPG category. Gotcha. This is amazing, Darren, because I'm just, and I want you to comment on this because I'm thinking through one of the, the big impacts for myself during the pandemic was navel gazing around the reconsideration of the importance of a good sandwich. <laughs> and, uh, this this was a deeply contemplative uh, 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 issue for me, Darren. So I appreciate your work, but I want you to talk to us about what what did you see when the pandemic hit and you started looking at consumer behavior changing and you were stepping into this this new role. What were some of the things that you saw that said you know we should as Jimmy John's you know, steward of the brand, we really have to kind of be attentive to and pivot around some of these issues. What were some of those things that you saw immediately when you stepped into your new role? Yeah, yeah. Aside from like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? Once I got <laughs> past that, um, you know, a little bit of background. So like many restaurants that you will speak to or people in the industry, um, the business was impacted to a degree that we had not seen before. Yeah. Um, and literally, in some cases, businesses were halved, you know, mm -hmm. in, in terms of Q2. Mm -hmm. And so we were faced with a really challenging situation where folks, you know, people were scared and we had to think about going contactless, mm -hmm. right? And we had to think about how can we help people? Can I interrupt right? for Is one it? second now? Yeah. Before you, uh, but you deliver food. So didn't that put you in a good position? It did. It, uh, it did put us in a, uh, a really good position. And I will say, thankfully, we had that channel of distribution uh, mm -hmm. to hold us to, uh, I want to say to hold us together but let's be clear we all felt the impact from the mm -hmm. business point of, of COVID mm -hmm. um, and I'll, I'll you know I can talk about <clears throat> our channels of distribution we have in-store right we've got curbside pickup mm -hmm. we have drive-through we have delivery mm -hmm. 
And while everyone believes, and I kind of did too, guys, uh, that, you know, the majority of your business is delivery. That is not the case, mm-hmm. uh, right? Uh, that is not the case that the majority of our business is delivery. Mm-hmm. And so we were quite frankly exposed, like many restaurants <clears throat> were, were in store, all but was eliminated, as you can imagine. Mm-hmm. And then we had to get really smart about how do we communicate contactless curbside pickup, drive through um, delivery that can't be beat, right? I mean, we are, we are the fastest delivery of sandwiches you can find, even if you include third-party affiliations, which, is, which are great uh, organizations, um, but we are on it and we've been doing it for a long time. So we, we began communicating that quite a bit, as you can imagine, in all of our amplification channels in terms of how you can get Jimmy John's. At the same time, we did see and recognize, hey, folks are struggling because the economy was changing at a very, very rapid rate. Mm-hmm. And so we introduced more value-centric promotions that, quite frankly, Jimmy John's had not done before. Huh. So un- under, under more of a founder-led uh, structure that really did not take place, as we came in to inspire, mm. and we saw what the competition was doing, we saw that people really were hurting right? In, in many cases, hurting economically. Mm-hmm. And so we came forward with some really nice value propositions that hey, resonated hey, with them. Yes. Let me ask you then, because I'm not, I mean, I know you have a new branding design and we can talk about that, but before we get to that new branding design, so what was Jimmy John known for? I know sandwiches, but what differentiated your sandwich? I thought it was fast delivery. Like I thought, so I thought that would play well. You're telling me it wasn't in the past value. And you were saying, actually, a lot of your business was in the restaurant. So yeah. if, you, if you had to say, you know, in your elevator pitch, <laughs> what, what differentiated Jimmy John before the um, pandemic? And then yeah. talk about how it might've changed within the pandemic. Of course. So Barbara, it was really all around freaky fast. So part right. of what, what you said is 100% right. <laughs> um, freaky fast and fast delivery, but freaky fast in store. You can walk in store yes. and get a sandwich. And before you're done paying for it, that sandwich is being given to you. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's I've seen it. Yeah, to, sorry to interrupt you, Darren. 100% true. I mean, I, you, I've seen it a, a million times. We have one close to campus and like you can't it's like you're wondering like is there you know is there like time space continuum disruption happening in the back because you're literally it's amazing yeah freaky fast yes yeah freaky fast and that and that is what uh what helped not the only thing but certainly helped build the great brand of jim johns right but there were a lot of other there are so many wonderful stories about this brand and i love storytelling i'm a big believer in storytelling for brands. And you have to go back and look where they started, how they started, what they're currently doing. And there's so many wonderful stories about freshness, Hmm. meticulousness around Jimmy John's. And you might've heard a little bit of that folks, but you overheard, it became an overused strength with regard to Freaky Fast. Interesting. Mm. What I think is also pretty cool, and I wanna get your thoughts on this, Darren, and also please react to this as well, Barbara is, first of all, let me make sure I understand if this is the case. Jimmy John's has decided we are not going to collaborate with third-party delivery. Is that correct? So 
Um, that, that, is, <laughs> that was the best preamble to an answer I think I've ever heard. That's exactly right. Touche, touche, Americans. So, um, his, uh, so historically, I think it's fair to say that Jimmy John's, as an organization, has stated that it is not that they would not be interested in partnering with a third-party organization. As we went through 2020, and the organizations grew exponentially, right, which I'm telling you guys stuff you already know, mm-hmm. um, we did a test with DoorDash. Oh. And what's really interesting about this test is that it was a demand generation test. Okay. Ah. So what, what I'm interested in mm-hmm. are the eyeballs that are going to DoorDash. Because as much as I think, or I want, excuse me, I want to think that um, all of these eyeballs are going to the Jimmy John's app, we know that that's not the case, mm-hmm. right? They're going to DoorDash. Mm-hmm. And so I want Jimmy John's to be on DoorDash oh, for demand generation. Interesting. interesting. At the same time, I want to control yep. the distribution channel. So yeah. I want to control the delivery. Mm-hmm. And that and that is the relationship that we do. And it was really interesting. They're, they're no, fantastic no, companies. Can I interrupt you for one second? When yeah. you control, is it because of the operations control or because of the margin control? Well, um, both. I, I'll start with the guest, right? I believe that as we manage our delivery in a pretty tight zone, Barbara, it's not like we're delivering, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. a 45 minute drive, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. We control our zones and that makes sure that we can deliver on our brand promise, mm-hmm. right? It's freaky fast, but gosh, it's gotta be freaky fresh. Mm-hmm. Like we won't compromise on that. Interesting. And again, it's not to say that it couldn't be done mm-hmm. with a third party provider, but we would prefer for right now. Understood. To, to that control. makes sense. Yeah, if and, that's and just, your if that's your definition. Well, and and also, what I understood, by the way, these these delivery services. I don't know about yours because yours is a big bigger company, but in some of these smaller restaurants, it eats up the whole margin. Um, so it's a difficulty making the the model work. That's exactly right. It yeah, you have to really work to make the model work, especially to your point, Barbara, about some of the smaller restaurants and like a lot of the independents that had to partner up with these guys or they were, or they were literally going to, you know, go, go out of business. So I think it, I think it has been a struggle for many on the margin side. Yeah. And I I think to also build on that point, it's, it's very interesting, the discipline, Darren, to be able to say, listen, we need to understand the dynamics here and to understand that our brand is out there now being represented by a third party. Uh, in some senses, when they when you get the stuff back, I mean, I just I'll just share with you when I use Uber Eats, I, there's wide very I order from the same restaurant. And sometimes it's awesome, and sometimes it's awful, and it's just like and you just live with it. And so this question that Barbara's pointing to, which is this idea of like we got to make sure that none of that negative halo ends up on the brand, is important. So it sounds like the, the decision was like we're going to open this up for demand purposes, but we're also going to figure out a way to be systematic and making sure that we don't uh, move beyond the quality control parameters that we must uh, uphold to make sure our brand stays in the cachet that we would love it to, to remain in. Is that, does that sound yeah. like a fair characterization, Darren? America's that's very fair. And just to underscore, you know, DoorDash, um, I, I believe that we were the first ones to establish this program with them. Oh, wow. Interesting. Right? Interesting. But as you think about other, it's interesting, as you think about other brands that have very well oiled existing distribution system let's just say pizza 
as an example. Um, it's an interesting spot for DoorDash to say, hey, we want to establish these relationships. We get why they may want to deliver. We get it, right? But we still want to partner with them. And they were so gracious and such a wonderful partner. Mm-hmm. And, they, and they remain a wonderful partner. So we are on DoorDash for demand generation. And it's uh, very successful. And the model is working uh, quite and, well. And it's also That's an so opportunity. Sorry, sorry, Barbara, I didn't start to step on you, Barbara. It's, it just, I'm just seeing it also, Barbara, as an opportunity on DoorDash's side to differentiate from all of these other third parties. Like someone needs to step out and be like, we are the highest quality of of you know maintaining uh maintaining right. all these different things. Anyway, sorry, Barbara. So I think it's interesting that you partner with because these little companies, as Darren was saying, they were going to go out of business if they didn't have delivery. That wasn't your problem, but you were doing it for demand for demand generation. That's for a different reason, mm-hmm. um, and that's interesting too. You know, when we're looking at how the retail environment, hospitality, and everything else shakes out after COVID, and the power of these platforms, because uh, obviously, I mean, you're not probably dealing with Amazon, but like the power of Amazon and Walmart and those platforms during COVID, they are now the name of the game and have so much power. And it is interesting to see as you partner with these different channels, who has the, who, who has the relationship and who doesn't. Um, yes. So that, that's an interesting piece. The other piece that you brought up was, you know, and then we'll get to the new branding identity, which I know is a lot of what happened, but just one more piece on that, the decision to go for value. Um, because one of the things that a lot of people talk about with regard to COVID is that it was a K-shaped development. And there were people who were hurt economically, but there were also people who weren't. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in the past, when you didn't have to go to value pricing to now decide to do that, is that something, A, you can come back to? Did you think it was the right decision? You might have done it reactively, but... It, now you have some time to think about it. Where do you stand on it now? What, what, what's your thinking? Yeah. No, it's a great question. So um, it was the right decision. It remains a uh, good decision for us to be mindful about our value proposition. And it's not always so much about um, ru- running, you know, r- running a sandwich for 99 cents or something like, which we haven't done, but it's not, it's not always about selling cheap food. It's making sure that what consumers get, they feel is really like a special value, right? And so um, we are the QSR category. And that's something that as I came into the brand, I really needed to um, work with the organization. You know, we don't just compete with other sub sandwich shops Mm. because you compete for humans, right? And these humans are going to QSR and they're coming to us. And last time I checked, and you guys know this, as you look around QSR, there are deals everywhere. Mm-hmm. And so while I'm not interested in getting into a deal for deal war, mm-hmm. right? Because we have incredible food that's super fresh, that is meticulously made. But I am interested in, at the appropriate times, giving our guests a special value. Right, so they can get something that is a bit less than what they traditionally are used to, and I think that there's something special in that. It's not an every month thing, because to your point, Barbara, if you didn't have to discount, why would you? Mm-hmm. Right, right, <laughs> right. <laughs> but but you have to realize, but you have to realize the sector that you're in, right, and where people's mindsets are. So I hear you on that. Some people struggled, and some people. Um, 
benefited. But I think that the, the mindset was struggle. Mm-hmm. Mm. Right, just, that makes sense. There, I actually course. disagree with that. During COVID, the word struggle, you know, in a word cloud is going to come up very high. Um, absolutely. So let me reintroduce you. I'm Barbara Kahn. This is Marketing Matters. And we're joined by Darren Dugan, who is for one year, the new chief marketing officer, Jimmy Johns. And he's talking about how they went through COVID and some of the big decisions they made. And one of the really big decisions they made during this year was to come up with a brand new marketing campaign and a new logo. They went through how it's gonna play digitally. I'm sure there were tons of decisions in thinking through all of that. So you wanna walk us through some of the most important decisions you were making then? Oh gosh, I will do my best, Barbara. It was a long journey. So, um, so Jimmy John's is a great, great brand. And what we really, or what I really wanted us to focus on, right, was how do we become more relevant? So what gets you to the dance sometimes doesn't get you home. Mm. And as Jimmy John's came in to inspire, I think there was a real opportunity for a new brand and visual identity, some tightening up, some more discipline, Mm. right? A bit more progressive look and Uh, feel for the brand. Okay. Right, Jimmy John's a wonderful brand, but part of its wonderfulness was its consistency. And sometimes consistency in categories leads to boring. Mm. Now, I'm not saying that we were boring, but there was a real opportunity for us to take it to the next level and we Mm -hmm. did. At the same time, we began a relationship with uh, Anomaly in Los Angeles, which is a wonderful, wonderful agency um, out of both New York and and LA. We partnered with Anomaly in Los Angeles because I wanted the brand to move from what I would call one-off, at at times, and respectfully, (laughs) one-off retail executions into more storytelling because there's so many wonderful things to talk about the brand, mm. but all everybody ever got was freaky fast. That is mm-hmm. part of the brand and it's really important, mm-hmm. but we needed to create a narrative. We needed to go back and look into the business and create a narrative and a campaign idea, which is the sandwich of sandwiches, mm. right? Mm-hmm. That is the campaign idea. The creative strategy is how do we use a foil, right? So an anti-hero, if you will. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to, to really... I love this anti-hero. I know where you're going with this. And that oh my God, great. I love it too, Barbara. I thought it was so, it was so genius. Um, and I'll tell you a little bit more. We, were, we, were, we partnered with Anomaly in November and we were on the Super Bowl in February. So we were moving very, very quickly. And, and we... was always, you were always were thinking the Super Bowl, that you were thinking that? No, oh. you would think so. And I want to take credit that we were always doing it. But the work, you know, the, the idea came, we produced it in Los Angeles under SAG um, guidelines. So it was all virtual. And we were on Zoom for 12 hour days, four days in a row with Brad Garrett and crew who, who Brad could not be lovelier. Mm-hmm. And his work was so spot on. So we, we got the first edits, Barbara. And of course, Anomaly in true fashion, and I would say this to them and have, they showed us almost a two minute trailer. Mm-hmm. And y'all, we about fell out of our chairs on the two-minute trailer. And mm-hmm. it is online, and you can see it on Jimmy I Johnson. watched it. It's great. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. We loved it, too, right? We loved it so much that in our room, in the room with top-level leadership at Inspire, it became a question of, well, why wouldn't you run this mm. on Super Bowl? Mm. 
-hmm. Like, why wouldn't you? So we got, um, so Barbara, well, I want to take credit. Oh Lord, I do for all the proactive planning around that. <laughs> I, will, um, I will take credit for uh, pushing us forward into great work in partnership with Anomaly and the entire Jimmy John's marketing team. It was a wonderful bet for us to place. The work came in. We felt so strongly about it. What better place to begin the new narrative for the brand than Super Bowl? And that's an interesting thing because you go through if the one I watched online, you go through it and it wasn't really clear what was happening to me at first because there's this awful person and it's sitting there on your website. And I'm thinking, is this what they think is good? You know, you say you're establishing a foil, but but you don't realize it's a foil. You know, you're saying, why are they promoting this terrible person? You know, so but but to your to your point, Darren, I mean, I love this because storytelling the best storytelling has has those kind of interesting arcs where you're you're drawn in and you're sort of wondering hey what's going on here and you want to learn more about these characters that Harper's talking about and then the big reveal happens later i think which is a kind of creative way to kind of re sort of restart the the the, the story and the narrative for the brand yeah, yeah, yeah. We, jimmy john's gonna take down this awful person you know? <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and the angrier he gets or the more <clears throat> Because here's the, you know, we want him to be a lovable antagonist, right? You, you know, I think, I think there is, there is something about his, um, his frustration at, at, at Jimmy's John's, right? Because that's yeah, a, right. I, I had to go right? back and see if that was really your name. Yeah, yeah, at Jimmy's I John's. was mispronouncing it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so he, you know, he's always frustrated, and he's frustrated because we're doing things that are shaking up his apple cart, and by and by his frustration and, and humor, it actually highlights and elevates the things that we are really trying to communicate in that storytelling arc. Yeah, it is actually really smart. I mean, obviously you know that, but um, because it's much easier to talk about crappy stuff than to really say, you know, good quality food. That's like, you know, you said earlier, it's kind of a boring idea. You really want to push that. The easier way to push it is to push down what you're not. Yeah. Um, right. So I think it's it, in terms of storytelling, it, aside from that spoil, bad guy, good guy kind of idea, it's an easier right. messaging. This is what we are not. <laughs> That's exactly right. <clears throat> and everybody shows up and says, we're the freshest. <laughs> right. And that has right. no meaning. Yeah. No, it has no meaning. There's no credibility. Hmm. And it's not interesting. Who's going to remember that? Right. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, it's a it's kind of counterintuitive to put out this terrible, vic, you know, villain that's memorable, <laughs> and then the way your brand is going to work is that you're going to kill it. You know, that isn't what we are. That it's it. I mean, it does work, obviously, and as you say, you can kind of think about how it works. But I don't think it's intuitive way to go. I think it's actually a pretty creative way to go because you think maybe you'd run into contamination or something. Well, that, but also. Um, <clears throat> It's not a one and done. Mm -hmm. It's a story. We're going to see more of Tony B. Yep. Right. You know, we, di we didn't hire Brad for one spot. Mm -hmm. Thank God for what we paid him. I'm kidding. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but that aside, but you're going to see more of Tony. You're going to see more of Stevie, his little partner, because they're here to tell our stories. <clears throat> and that's what's so wonderful about the, development of this campaign because it really is it's a storytelling arc that's here to stay mm -hmm. right and it's here to stay as we talk about innovation 
-hmm. right? We just had our first consumer-led innovation with the smoking chicken chicken in February. And guys, we killed it. <clears throat> like we killed it. Mm -hmm. That's a great question. I'm not saying that like, I, I know you're like, if one more marketer shows up and says they killed something, whatever, but uh, <laughs> like no, you, we did you really, really well with it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and the storyline was there, the product delivered um, in a white space that we haven't hit before. We don't, mm -hmm. we don't have chicken on our menu mm -hmm. on an everyday basis. And so that is a white space gap. And so there's just lots of things that are lining up for the brand to take us to the next level. Sorry for talking. So you're actually, I mean, you're making a point. When I think of sandwich, I don't know about Americas, you eat more of this than I do, but um, I don't think of sandwich shops as chicken places. I do think of them as separate. So the idea that a sandwich place would go into chicken, that is a pretty big innovation mm -hmm. uh, cool that stuff. I could get at the same place. Well, that's really exciting. Congratulations on all your success and what a year you've had. Thank you so much for joining us today. And where can our listeners go to keep up with you and Jimmy John's? Uh, well, you can go to jimmyjohns.com, right, to keep up with all of our ads and everything that's getting loaded on there. And you're going to see a lot more of Tony B as we uh, move through here, Q2, Q3, and Q4. He's going nowhere this year. And so uh, you can just expect a lot more innovation, some really, really great value propositions, right, to please our guests, and some really great advertising and storytelling. So we can continue to take this brand to the next level. And as we, you know, I think we all pray that we're, we're headed towards the right way. Right. right uh, now, I'm seeing right? hope in the future, for sure. Thank you very much. That's all we have time for today. Big thanks to Professor Americus Reed for being my co-host today. We'd like to thank our audio engineer, Dion Simpkins, and Chris Tooks, and our producer, Dana Cash. We're here every Wednesday from 5 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time. We replay our show several times throughout the week. You can follow us on our new Twitter, which is SXM Marketing. And you can also follow Business Radio on SXM Business for information about all our programming. Thank you for listening today. Till then, it's Marketing Matters. I'm Barbara Kahn here with Americus Reed, Business Radio, Sirius XM 132. Their music. Their stories. This is Garth Brooks. Pop that beer right in the mic. And when it made the record, kind of laughed and giggled and goes, no, that's actually supposed to be in there. Their official channels. Sirius XM brings you closer to legendary artists like Pearl Jam, Garth Brooks, The Grateful Dead, and more. For a full list of all official artist channels, go to SiriusXM.com or listen anytime on your phone and Sirius XM connected devices and speakers.